Hi, this is episode 56, and we're in a series of people in the Bible who lost a child. Today, we're going to talk about two dads who had an extremely unique experience. Now, when you hear who they are, I hope you stay with me because there's always something the Holy Spirit can teach us, even when we think initially that we can't relate to it. The two men we're going to be looking at are Jacob, the father of Joseph in the Old Testament, and a man named Jairus in the New Testament. These are both men who got their children back here on this earth after their death. Now, you may be thinking that Joseph didn't really die, but the fact is his father had evidence that he did. It was faulty and fabricated by his other sons, no less, but it was enough for Joseph to believe it and to respond as though Joseph, his son, were dead. So we're going to look at the story of Jacob and Joseph and how this all happened. It starts in Genesis 37. There were 12 sons altogether from four different moms. And Joseph had the favor of his father, Jacob, in a way the others didn't. And I'm not going to go into that, but it caused jealousy. So the brothers were out taking care of the sheep and their flocks and their herds. And Jacob sent Joseph out to check on them. When they saw Joseph coming from a distance, they had this powwow and they were jealous and they said, let's kill him. This is our chance. Let's kill him. And Reuben, the oldest son, felt we can't do that. So he suggested they throw him in a pit, a cistern, and just do that to him, dump him in the pit. And Reuben's thought was, I'll go back and let him out later. So that's what they did. They grabbed him, they threw him in this pit, and apparently Reuben went off for something, and while Reuben wasn't there, a caravan came by that was going to Midian. And so these brothers said, well, let's sell Joseph off to this caravan, we'll be rid of him, and then we won't be guilty of killing our brother. So they pulled him out of the pit, sold him off as a slave, Reuben went back to go get him, and he was gone. So what the brothers ended up doing was killing a goat, and using that blood on this special coat that their dad, Jacob, had given Joseph. So they made it look like that Joseph had been caught by an animal, somehow terribly killed, and the blood was on the coat. And so they took it back to their dad and said, is this Joseph's coat? We found his coat. He must have been killed. And in Genesis thirty-seven thirty-five. Jacob says, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar, doesn't it? So we see the reality of Jacob's pain at the death of his son. Even though he had 11 other sons, just like we know, it doesn't matter if you have other children, like people sometimes tell us. When we lose that one, we don't stop missing them. And it changes us. Now, we know that Joseph, when he was sold as a slave, things happened, and that's not what we're going to talk about here. If you want to read it, go read in Genesis. But through everything that happened to Joseph, he ended up being second in command to Pharaoh himself in Egypt. And when there was a famine, 10 of the brothers from different mothers were sent to get grain in Egypt because they heard that Egypt has food. They had been storing food for years. God had shown Joseph the famine was coming. So they had enough food, not only for their own people, but to feed others as well. So these 10 brothers were sent 
to go to Egypt to get food. And Jacob kept Joseph's full brother. All the other brothers were half-brothers, but he had one other brother, Benjamin, that was his full brother. They had the same mother. And Jacob did not let Benjamin go. And it says in Genesis 42, 4, the reason was because he was afraid harm might come to him. Rachel, the mom of Joseph and Benjamin, was a very special wife to him. And he didn't want to lose Benjamin also. We deal with some of those same fears, don't we? Our other children, we're just fearful of letting them go. We just have to fight all these fears that we didn't have before. And Jacob had the same issue. So as these 10 brothers got to Egypt, and Joseph was the one in charge of handing out the food, the grain that people would come for, he recognized his brothers. But obviously, they did not recognize him. I mean, he was only 17 when they sold him off. And by now, this was years later, and he looked and talked like an Egyptian. So Joseph asked them all kinds of questions, and he accused them of being spies, and, and so they said, no, we're not spies, and so he asked them about their father, and they said they had a, one, you know, one brother that died and another brother at home, and so Joseph took Simeon, one of the brothers, and he imprisoned him, and he said, you will not get your brother back unless you bring that other brother from home that you're telling me that you have. And that's the way that you're going to prove to me that you are not spies. So they had to go back home with their food without Simeon, one of the brothers. And they told Jacob they could not return for more grain if the famine continued unless Benjamin, the youngest brother, was with them. And Jacob was devastated. And for quite a while, he refused saying it would literally kill him. It would bring him down to the grave with sorrow to lose another son to death. And we know that feeling, don't we? And I I have to say, for those of you who have lost more than one, I, I'm just so sorry. I, I can't imagine losing more than one. But we know it happens. And we know that most of us have to fight those fears. I find it interesting that when Jacob finally relented, he was basically forced to let them all go back for grain because they were they would die of starvation if, if they didn't. But he finally said, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. And it seems like he finally got to a place after all those years that he was able to surrender that fear to God. And that is something that is so important for us to be able to do. Fear brings torment, doesn't it? These fears that we have of losing another child, it brings so much torment and fear to us. And we can and we need to get to the place where we're able to surrender that to God and say, if it happens, it happens and God will get me through it again. So when these brothers returned, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers Joseph made sure to tell his brothers, it's not you who sent me here, but God. Remember, they had sold him into slavery. And Joseph saw God's hand in that, as horrible as it was. I can't imagine being sold as a slave by your own brothers into a foreign land. I mean, talk about betrayal and pain and never seeing your parents again. I, just everything that would come with that. But Joseph acknowledged that even through that terrible situation and through their jealousy and what they had done to him, that he said, it's not you who sent me here, but God. 
God has the final word on everything. We don't understand, but God has numbered each of our days. Each one of us has our days numbered, including our children. And I don't know why some of us have children whose days were numbered less than ours. But even when it seems like God has lost control, it isn't true. God was with us when our child died. And as we look back, we can see either before or during or after that time that he really was there with each one of us. And if you haven't seen that yet, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Where were you? How were you preparing me? What did you show me or let me see or feel as I was finding out or as this was happening or after after I found out my child died? What were some of the things that, wow, it's, it's almost like, God, you orchestrated this or you were there or you were preparing me for it. But we have to be willing to see these moments and these things that God was doing for us during that time. Because sometimes we're so angry at God, we don't want to admit that he was there for us in ways that maybe we couldn't see at the time. So you have to be open to that. But I guarantee you that God was there in some way for you, either before, during, or after, or a combination of all of that. For some reason, when I read this last time, as I was studying this out to to do this episode, when I read that Joseph said, it's not you who sent me here, but God. It also made me think about the verse, and I I didn't look up the reference, I'm sorry, but it talks about how the death of his saints is precious in the sight of God, and it's extremely hard on us. But to God, it's a time to celebrate that one of his children has come home. And I think that our child might want us to know that it doesn't matter how they died or whose hand was in it that caused their death because now they're in a place where none of that matters to them. It matters to us, but it sure doesn't matter to our kids because they're home. They are in their eternal forever home. And I just picture them telling us it's even better than I could have ever imagined And our children encouraging us, don't stay stuck on whose fault it was. Satan may have been behind it, but I'm with God now, and God has used it, and I'm in glory now, and I'm happy, and I'm in perfection, and I'm in love that's beyond what can be described while I wait for it to be your turn to come here. I really believe that that's the case. When these brothers returned... They rejoiced. This was Joseph, their brother. And Joseph sent them back to say, go get my father. All of you come and live here because the famine is going to be happening for several more years yet. So go get your families. Go get our father. Bring everybody here to live with me and I'll take care of you. So when they returned and told Jacob that Joseph, his son, was still alive, he didn't believe them at first. I I mean, would you? We'd want to. I mean, but after all those years. But When he did finally believe them and he saw all the gifts that had been lavished on the family and that they were preparing to go to Joseph, the Bible says that Jacob's spirit was revived and he was excited that he would be able to go and see Joseph before he died. And I think about how King David, we talked about this in another episode a few weeks ago, how David said about his infant son that died, he will not come to me, but I will go to him. 
Now, I want to talk about Jairus just a little bit, and then we'll come back to Jacob and kind of wrap this up with the two of them together. Jairus was a leader in the synagogue, and he had come to Jesus, and the Bible says he fell at his feet, and he pleaded with Jesus to come to his house and to heal his daughter. Now, this is in two of the Gospels. You can read it in Matthew 9. Mark chapter 5 has more details. And Mark 5, verse 23, says, My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And Jesus got up to go with him. He was going to go heal her. But he was stopped by the woman who had the issue of of bleeding and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. It stopped everything. And the crowd was there, and there was this conversation. This woman was healed. And while this was going on, People came to Jairus during that time and told him that his daughter had died and there was no reason for Jesus to come now. And we can have that same reaction. God, my child's dead. You didn't stop it. Don't bother with me now. Leave me alone. But Jesus didn't listen to that then and he isn't listening to it now. Jesus told this father not to be afraid, but to believe. And what was he to believe? That he would see his daughter again, that she wasn't really dead. Now, I know that Jesus raised this girl from the dead on the spot, and we didn't get that. But we do still get the promise that our child isn't really dead. Our children transferred to our eternal home in glory ahead of us, and they are more alive than we are. They are living in the fullness of God's abundant love and perfection. When Jesus said that Jairus' daughter was just sleeping, he was calling things that were not as though they are. He was being an example of that verse. And we know that God is in eternity. He's not bound by time going forward or going backward. And that means that when we pray, when we lay our requests before him, those requests are not bound by time. Now, I know that we've all prayed protection for our children, and we feel like God didn't answer that prayer. But we don't have God's eyes to see the full picture. This is not the podcast where I'm going to talk about that topic. But what I do want to say here in this instance with Jairus in this story that is in the Bible for our learning and our encouragement is that God is not bound by time. So I believe that we can pray for something that has happened behind us in time. God knows that the prayer was going to be prayed. And he can answer it because he's not bound by time in either hearing the prayer or answering it. I don't know if I'm making sense, but we are bound by time. And so when I send a prayer to God who is in eternity, who is not bound by time, he can take that prayer and he can plug it in wherever in time that event happened. And I believe that that can include prayers that our child didn't feel alone when they died or they didn't feel pain when they died. I believe that we can pray those kinds of prayers now for our children, even though our children are already gone, calling what is not as though it is, and using the fact that we are bound by time, but God is not. And so we can pray those kinds of prayers 
knowing that God is faithful and that those are the things that he wants as well. I also want to remind you that comparisons don't help at all. Comparisons like, okay, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I get the testimony that my child was healed or my child was spared in an accident? Because God is doing something deeper. I just heard a song a couple of days ago that had a line in it that God is making us into an unshakable mountain. In fact, the song was shared by a mom who lost her son 12 weeks ago from an overdose. And just like her, you may feel like you are so far from being an unshakable mountain. But as someone who used to feel the same way, and is more than eight years on this journey now after the death of my daughter, and knowing others who are even further along, even over 30 years they've been here on earth without this child, we have gone through the worst of the worst. We can go through just about anything now because we've been through the worst and because that we learn more and more in a more deep way that we are in him, and that is what makes us unshakable. Would you rather not have had your child at all if you knew that their numbered days on earth were going to be less than yours? If you're like most of the other parents I've asked that question to, the the answer is no. I would have rather had Becca for the 29 years that I had her than to have never been her mom at all. Death is not the end. It's a door to the next life. Jairus only had to wait maybe a couple of hours before he saw his daughter again. Jacob had to wait around 25 years before he saw Joseph again. I said that Joseph was 17 when he was sold into Egypt. He was 30 when he was made an overseer. He was 39 when his brothers first came to Egypt. It was the second year of the famine. It was nine years after being made an overseer. So he was probably about 41 years old or so when the brothers came the second time and Jacob came to Egypt to see his son after thinking he was dead. It was 25 years. Some of us, we're not going to have to wait 25 years. We won't be here that long. Some of us are going to have to wait a lot longer than that. I think of Barbara Bush, President Bush's wife. She was 28 when her three-year-old daughter, Robin, Pauline, they called her Robin, died in her arms of leukemia. And Barbara Bush didn't get to be reunited with her daughter Robin for 65 years. Now, I know when Becca first died, and some of you may have heard me share this before, but when I started thinking about being that far away from Becca, being on this earth five years, ten years without Becca, I mean, I would just, it would... I would have so much anxiety over that. It was almost like I couldn't breathe. I, it would just make me almost panic, so uh, frozen that I just I could not imagine being here that long without her. And I, I eventually took this to God, and it was like, God, you've got to help me with this. And he so graciously spoke to my heart, and he said, Laura, you're not getting further away from Becca. Every day that you're here on this earth, every year that you remain here on this earth, you are getting closer to her. You're getting closer to seeing her again. You're not getting further away from her. You're getting closer to her. We don't know how long our separation is going to be. But once we're reunited with all of eternity ahead of us, I'm convinced it's going to seem like it was just like a a nanosecond that we were separated 
when we get to see our children again, we're not going to have to be separated from them like Jacob and Joseph were separated again, or like Jairus and his daughter were separated again. They had that separation twice because someone had to die after they both came back to their parents. Once again, I said this, but I'm going to say it again. Death is not the end. It's a door to the next life. I know I tend to feel like this is forever, but it's only until my time is up here on earth, and it's the same for you. God wants to redeem us in a different way than he does with those who maybe had a miracle and didn't lose their child, the miracle that we wanted. We have the opportunity to know him, to know God like very few get to, to know him in his sufferings. There's a scripture that says to know him in his resurrection power and to know him in his sufferings. See, God lost a son to a brutal, torturous murder, and he knows what it's like to have a child die. He also knows what it's like to get that child back, and we will too. It's just not going to be here and now, but we can know him in a depth that others don't because it gives us a glimpse into how much God loves us. Would you be willing to have your child die to save someone else? Probably not, but he did. He went through that so that we would not be separated forever from our children and others we love. Do you realize that every person we've looked at in this series of parents in the Bible who've lost a child, that God has found a way to redeem every situation, every loss into something good? And he makes the same promise to us. We've paid a very high price, the death of our child, and I am not going to let that go to waste in my life. I'm going to be like Jacob, who earlier in his life, he wrestled with God, literally. And he said, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. And God did. So tell God you aren't going to let him go until he blesses you somehow through the earthly loss of your child. Now, before I sat down to work on this episode and study it out, in my time with the Lord, I asked him a question. I asked him who he wanted to be for me right now, and I heard the word Redeemer. And as I started meditating on that and asking God what he meant, I found myself writing what I was hearing him answer me in my journal. And I want to read some of that to you right now. What I heard God speaking to me was, I want to take every hurt, every wound, every disappointment, and bury it in me, in my son, your Redeemer. I want to redeem it all. I want to turn it into joy in your life. Yes, the theme of all death is redemption. I want to give a gift, but you need to be enlarged to receive it, enlarged by a deeper revelation of my grace. Just like a store issues a coupon, it is given to the customer, and they either say thank you and hold on to it, which has no value, or they turn it in to receive the benefit. I've issued the coupon, Abundant Life, but it is up to the receiver to cash it in. 
It is a coupon that never expires and can be handed in over and over and over and over again. God is in the business of redeeming, and that includes redeeming life from death, our life from when we felt like we died when our child died. I had received this from the Lord, and when I sat down to start studying both Jacob and Jairus for this podcast, I was amazed at what the Holy Spirit had spoken to me just a few hours beforehand about redeeming what has been taken from us through death. Our child's departure from this world will change us. We'll never be the same, and eventually we get to choose what that looks like. Our child was given to us as a gift, not as a right to have. And the question becomes, what kind of a person do you want to become as a result? Do you want to be your child's parent stuck in the place and the event of his or her death? Or do you want to allow God to redeem it and learn how to live in a way that honors his or her life? We may not have been given our child back to us here on earth like Jacob and Jairus did, but they will be given back to us. And let's live in glorious anticipation of that day. Right now, for the month of May, each day, Monday through Friday, I'm going live on our GPS Hope YouTube channel with a different guest and a different topic. These discussions have been so good as we are grieving parents sharing hope together. If you would like a copy of that schedule to see the guests and the topics and what days along with the times, just go to gpshope.org together. If you're listening to this and it's past May of 2020, you can find all of the replays by going to the GPS Hope channel on YouTube and look for Grieving Parents Sharing Hope Together. You will find 22 videos to choose from or watch them all. So let's go ahead now and get into our birthday segment. Each week, I'm honored to announce the upcoming birthdays of our children who are no longer here with us. So first, we have Jack Randall Whitaker, who was born on May 12th and is forever 37. There's Jordan Slusher, who was born on May 17th and is forever 21. We celebrate the day that these two were born and came into the world and into the lives of these parents and the families and those who love them. If you would like to share your son or daughter with the other listeners of this podcast, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's a form there you can fill out. Just submit the information and I will add your child to the birthday segment the week of their birthday. Before I close, I just want to remind you that GPS Hope is a nonprofit organization that's able to continue offering support and resources like this podcast to grieving parents because people like you support us financially. If you would like to partner with us monthly, giving hope to others like you've been receiving, or you want to give a special gift, just go to gpshope.org support. And as always, any links mentioned can be found in the show notes on the GPS Hope website. Just go to gpshope.org and look for this podcast. I've heard from so many of you how difficult this time of year is with Mother's Day, and many of you also have birthdays. I sometimes call them sunrise dates of your child and the sunset date 
of your child is in May. So especially for those of you who are struggling a bit more, I want to remind you and all of us to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.